The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. Glad that you could join us today and so happy to have both our guests today. Um, we have Stephanie Rico, who's the Vice President of Environmental Affairs for Wells Fargo, and Dustin Collar, who is the Vice President of Environmental Finance. And we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is so important to the development and the advancement of a greener economy, a greener society, and that is environmental financing. Wells Fargo is really taking a leadership position on this. And in fact, they've made a goal to invest $30 billion by the year 2020 in environmental financing. And they've set forth some categories that we're going to be sharing with you today. And they're actually doing something that I think is totally cool for a 21st century company to do, a huge company like Wells Fargo. They are inviting each and every one of us, every member of the public, to get on their blog and submit some comments, give some input as to what you think about the categories they've set forward for what counts as environmental financing. I think that's really, really cool of them. Well, Stephanie and Dustin, welcome to Go Green Radio. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Jill, and thank you for having us. We love your show, and um, it's wonderful (laughs) to be on it. Well, thanks so much. Well, let's start with you, Stephanie. Um, tell us, first of all, why Wells Fargo has set this goal of providing $30 billion in environmental finance. What what drove you all to make that goal, and how was that dollar figure of $30 billion determined? Sure. Well, I'll say, you know, it really starts um, from this notion that we all share the same planet, and what happens to our environment affects us all. And so we believe that those of us who can should lead positive environmental change. And so kind of in thinking that, we aim to be environmentally minded in all we do. So the $30 billion environmental finance commitment represents one piece of our kind of comprehensive environmental initiatives uh, throughout Wells Fargo, which include reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, we have environmental philanthropy, we have green teams, and so much more. But the environmental finance is an important piece of what we do because it is an area that is so core to our business and an area where we think we can help uh, push forward a, a greener economy. Well, and I think it it is worth mentioning to make sure our listeners know you do do an incredible amount of internal greening. I mean, even just the fact that your ATMs allow people to now 
deposit checks without envelopes has saved a tremendous amount of um, greenhouse gas emissions just because the armored trucks don't have to come to the banks every day. They can come once a week. And uh, online banking and, and all of the options that you have with apps has allowed people, gosh, if they don't even have to go to the bank, not make that trip in the car um, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And your green teams, you know, this is something that I hope our listeners will check out um, what's going on on the wellsfargo.com website and see some of the actions of the green team because uh, what they're doing in branches in Wells, of Wells Fargo all across the country has made a big difference in the communities in which they operate. They've done all kinds of things like help with gardens and help with uh, schools and, and a variety of projects. So uh, that is tremendous. But now this environmental financing, which is allowing other businesses that are going green and reducing greenhouse gas emissions and, and treading lightly on the earth, you're allowing them to function through your financing, and I love that. Dustin, I want to ask you, in, in kind of broad terms, what do you think the $30 billion uh, well-invested could do for America? What do you hope will be different about our country in 2020 as a result of these Wells Fargo investments? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Joe. We, we announced our first environmental commitment back in 2005, and it was just $1 billion. And so I think, um, you know, since then, We've grown a lot as, a, as an institution, but also, you know, we've grown a lot as a country and uh, as global consumers and really realizing the, the potential of, uh, of environmental lending and investment. And, um, you know, just this past year in 2012, uh, projects financed by Wells Fargo, renewable energy projects, produced enough electricity, for example, to power 1.2 million homes across the country. And so that already, I mean, I, I would say we're really just scratching the surface with what we can do, but... Um, you know, we're, we're interested in, in serving as a catalyst for this, for these industries such as green building and renewable energy and really green consumer products. And we want to, we want to enable customers to really, you know, work toward a better, better quality of life for us all. Well, and you know what's funny, um, for those of our listeners who live in California, many of them may have seen just within the past week that the, uh, San Onofre nuclear power plant that's run by, um, I believe it's Edison, uh, will no longer be coming online. It's been down for a while because of repairs. And we just found out this week that it's never coming back online. That facility powered 1.4 million homes with carbon-free, carbon emission-free electricity. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, my goodness, how can we possibly replace that? Where are we going to find uh, carbon-free alternatives and what you said it almost answers that question your your investments have enabled 1.2 million homes to be powered by renewable energy so you know that statistic alone is very encouraging as you know we're starting to see the nation and various states energy portfolios change um you know, uh, whether it's because, you know, fossil fuels are becoming more expensive or because, you know, nuclear facilities are, are closing. And, you know, you, you are actually solving real world problems. It's not just fluff. And I think that that's so encouraging. And I want our listeners to realize, you know, that the, the meaning of this investment. You know, Stephanie, in your blog just this week, you mentioned that it's tricky to determine what actually counts as environmental financing. I'd love for you to tell our listeners about the process you and your colleagues have gone through to actually determine 
what you would count as environmental financing under the current set of categories that you've established. How did you get to the point that you're at where you've actually announced these categories? Sure. And it is really tricky because environmental finance, it's very subjective and kind of what you call green or what would, what would you count towards that. And for us, it's really been uh, – our, our, our process has been evolving. And at first, as Dustin had said, we had an original $1 billion goal. And to track against that, it was more art than science. Mm-hmm. Still is a lot art, but, you know, we would know it when we see it. And, and the, the level was really high. So, for example, um, you know, we thought about public transportation, that we would count public transportation, and we started looking at, well, you know, are the buses running, you know, empty? Are they running full? Are they running off of uh, alternative fuels? You know, what's going to count? And so we were very uh, conservative and strict in what we counted. We still are, but what we realized is that, you know, it's important to be able to categorize it so that we can communicate with our team members and share with the public how we're thinking about this and be able to say uh, just generally these are the categories that we're counting and have dialogue around it. So what we've done is we, we worked internally at first and we pulled together you know, our environmental affairs team and environmental finance and we have a clean tech group and we, we pulled together our leaders and we kind of brainstormed and, and put together the list. Uh, and then what we did is we shared the list with some of our uh, external partners to get some feedback on it and a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue, uh, but the end result is listed on our blog, and now we are seeking public comment on it because it is very subjective, and, and we're trying to be very transparent about what it is that we're counting. So it, it can continue to evolve as we get feedback, uh, and we're, we're very interested in feedback. Well, and I think that you know this just shows what people who are leading, people who are on the leading edge of the, the, the movement have to go through because right now there are no certifications and standards that say if you are a bank and you want to finance, you know, green building, there's nobody else who has set those standards for you. You're setting them for yourselves and, um, and, and, and this is truly an amazing benchmark. I want to let our listeners know in case you want to check out the blog that Stephanie's referred to that will allow you to give some public comment, here's what you do. Uh, don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com but open a new tab in your web browser and just go to wellsfargo.com. And down at the bottom, you can click on Corporate Responsibility. And then from there, you can click on Environmental Stewardship. And from there, you can find the Wells Fargo Environmental Forum. And if you scroll down to Stephanie's blog, it's entitled environmental finance, what counts? And there you can read all of the categories that they have uh, earmarked for uh, environmental finance and how they define each category. And then there's a place for public comment. So I want you to be able to look at that while we're talking with Stephanie and Dustin. You know, Dustin, one of the categories included in your environmental financing plan is greener buildings. And the reason that I think that's so interesting is because a lot of reports and studies show us that, yes, it's important for us to increase our renewable energy uh, generation. we got to generate more energy. But if we were able to increase 
energy efficiency, um, maybe we could lower the cost of all that new energy, renewable energy, clean energy generation. And one of the biggest users of energy in this country, especially when we're talking about electricity, is the building industry. And whether that's commercial buildings or office buildings, um, houses, schools, etc., that's where a lot of the energy gets used. So if we can create greener buildings, then uh, you know we decrease the amount of energy supply we have to meet, which is an important thing. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you determine what a green building project is and how the financing for that occurs. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting point because you know uh, one thing we've we, it was definitely challenging thinking through this with when it comes to green buildings is you know there's all these different certifications across the country and across the world you know any new construction really uses new resources and has environmental impacts so you know I, I don't think that we're naive in thinking that you know renewable energy and you know the manufacturing of solar panels for example or building of green buildings is necessarily 100% green, but we said, okay, well, how, how can we say, you know, how can we make that incremental impact and really support those kind of buildings that are more efficient and, and, uh, and more sustainable? And so, you know, we, we've uh, looked at really established categories from other third-party organizations, and our, um, we have environmental risk management teams that are involved in lending decisions uh, as, you know, one of many, many uh, categories that folks really look at. Um, but what we've seen in, in uh, green building and greener buildings in general is that, you know, these kind of buildings are really um, generally more profitable long term. You know, they're more, they're more, the tenants are more interested in, in uh, inhabiting these kind of buildings. And so they're, frankly, better, better loans and investments uh, up front. But we look and when we see that a building is, you know, going to be LEED certified or something like that, it's, it's certainly a, a positive in our credit chain. It means that there's going to be higher demand for that building and that we're going to be supporting an environmentally sustainable project. And so while, while some of these certifications might not um, already have been received when we're committing to a loan, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that, those are, that they're going forward with those certifications is a really positive step and, and definitely helps us along in our credit approval processes. So it's a good environmental risk. I mean, when we're talking about risk assessment and what have you, these buildings tend to be, you know, a, a, a better a better uh, risk in terms of risk management. That's true. You know, and and it's uh, I think increasingly people are recognizing that across across a number of industries with regard to you know the carbon footprint, and no one no, no one really knows how some of this legislation will will end up in the next couple of years. And but it is a real risk that. You know, not just Wells Fargo, but large corporations and other financial institutions are really thinking about. And I think that's an important step. This is no longer, you know, necessarily just about, um, you know, doing good, but it's also a real risk that we need to think about. And we're seeing that with, uh, with you know, climate change and weather impacts as well. Absolutely. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, folks, so don't go away. There'll be lots more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
All round the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I am so glad that you all are listening today and so glad to have our guests on. We're talking about something that I think is right at the vortex of so many of the great things that our country and our various states want to do in terms of making substantive changes that will save energy, that will create green energy, that will use clean technology to improve not just our environment, but our economy as well. And Wells Fargo is right at the very epicenter of what's going on. They've committed to investing $30 billion by the year 2020 in environmental financing. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about green buildings and the importance of uh, reducing the energy load that our, our built infrastructure and our built environment consumes in this country. And Stephanie, you know, for a long time, all we heard in terms of green building standards uh, were the U.S. Green Building Council's LEED certifications. And now, uh, you know, there there is a little bit of pushback from certain uh, areas of the country and certain industries about you know, are there other ways to define what a green building is besides going through the sometimes costly certification process with LEED certification? And I'm wondering what other green building certifications Wells Fargo might recognize for qualification for an environmental financing product under your green buildings category? Sure. So actually now might be a good good time to mention um, before I get into the environmental finance that um, Wells Fargo not only finances LEED and other green buildings, um, but we also are working to um, c- green up our own portfolio of buildings. And our goal is to um, certify 35% of our buildings by 2020 with wow. LEED, 
lead, achieve LEED certification for our, for our own buildings. That's fantastic. Thank you. That is fantastic. So, but w- with respect to the environmental finance categories, we do acknowledge other uh, certifications beyond the LEED. And that, that is a change um, from what we were doing before. Um, but really the change is recognizing that other standards are um, coming online. Um, they have been for some time and that they are also um, do represent greener buildings. And so we want to make sure that we acknowledge those. And on, in our environmental finance report, which you can get to through our blog, the Wells Fargo Environmental Forum, um, what we have in that report is you'll see a pie chart kind of showing, you know, the, the percentage of our, the buildings that we finance that are LEED certification or Energy Star or other. Um, some of the other certifications that we recognize, for example, include uh, the Cal- state of California came out with CalGreen standards, um, and those CalGreen standards are, um, you know, green building requirements. Those requirements are being rolled out throughout the state, and mm-hmm. as, as those requirements, um, you know, become, they're not required all at the same time, and as they're rolling out, um, and Cal Green is required for certain building types, uh, mm-hmm. we will recognize that um, within our environmental finance. And what about existing buildings? If, you know, if, for instance, your own buildings, um, if, if there are retrofit projects that companies or institutions want to make that will retrofit their existing buildings to a greener building, is that eligible for financing under your, your a- programs as well? Absolutely. In fact, Existing buildings represent tremendous opportunity for our country to save on greenhouse gas emissions and operating costs, etc. So we we absolutely recognize um, the retrofits of existing buildings. Fantastic, Um, because I I do think that's important. You know, you don't want to only finance tearing down buildings or just new construction. I think that it's really important when when cities or companies are looking to retrofit, uh, that that financing is available. I think that's terrific. Dustin, you know, I read a report this week that New York City is planning to spend $20 billion to ready the city for what they have assessed to be the effects of climate change in the coming years. I know that Hurricane Sandy has caused a lot of people across the eastern seaboard um, to really think about what their water and energy infrastructure looks like and the capabilities or lack of capabilities of those infrastructure uh, systems to meet the needs of their population under duress, under environmental or extreme weather conditions. Um, and, and I know that, you know, that's something that's on a lot of people's minds, even you know, in the Midwest where they're having different uh, problems with drought and, and energy problems as tornadoes run through. Is Wells Fargo going to include things like microgrids and distributed energy generation and infrastructure upgrading in its environmental financing options? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great, important question. And, you know, I, I definitely, obviously, Mayor Bloomberg's done a ton to really raise this issue, bring this issue to the forefront. Um, you know, during his time as mayor, and you know, twenty billion dollars is not—it's not a small of money. It's—it's it's equivalent, almost equivalent to the GDP of Panama, for example. This is a lot of money, and that's really going to go, um, go toward you know, new flood walls and levees, and also setting new standards for 
uh, for new construction going forward. And so we're definitely, um, you know, participating in that, in those markets. We actually have a group based in New York City called Sustainable Public Infrastructure. Uh-huh. Um, and this group actually works with, it's part of our public finance group, and they work with cities and states across the country um, to uh, support bond financings, uh, to raise money for, for those public institutions for things like distributed energy uh, production on, on top of schools or um, you know, new park preservation projects or public transportation or weatherization projects. And they've actually, uh, that group was actually only formed I think four years ago, perhaps, and they've really grown, uh, grown quite a bit in, uh, in supporting, you know, these municipalities across the country. Um, you know, some of our, we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of demand, especially among our customers in, in really critical industries. So where they, they need, a, they, they need a critical energy supply. So, you know, tech industries, hospitals, these are entities where, you know, if, if a storm like Sandy comes in, they can't just shut down. And so we mm-hmm. have to think about, not only prevention of climate change and other environmental issues, but, but also protection, frankly. Um, and so those kind of, lo- of loans and investments are definitely going to grow over the next couple of years. Well, and I think what a lot of Americans are only just waking up to is the fact that our energy and water infrastructure is not the gold plate standard that it used to be when it was built. Um, you know, we have this notion that as long as we flip the switch and the lights come on and turn on the tap and clean water comes out, we're good to go. But in parts of the East Coast, especially where, you know, we've been building for a couple hundred years, we've got water pipes that were only supposed to last for 70 years and they're, you know, over that. <laughs> they're 100 years old. And, um, and one of the things that I'm hoping, uh, that your financing options and, and, Politicians like Mayor Bloomberg who are raising awareness um, about infrastructure needs will will accomplish is that when Americans go to vote for local and state and federal um, representatives, that they'll think about the people who are focused on the infrastructure that will be leaving our children. It's quite a mess if we don't start dealing with it soon. And so I'm really happy to see that Wells Fargo is going to be part of that important uh important effort uh, in these next couple of decades. Stephanie, one of the categories in your environmental finance plan is quote-unquote cleaner energy. And I'm constantly amazed at how controversial and political a simple term like clean energy can get. And I'm wondering how Wells Fargo determines what types of energy are clean enough to count as an environmental financing transaction. Yes. Nothing is as easy as it seems. Cleaner energy, <laughs> uh, you think it would be easy, and it's not. And so, uh, let's see. My response here is actually going to apply to other categories, too. What we've tried to do is we've tried to find um, third parties um, that have credible third parties that have uh, opinion on this or certifications like the, the lead, et cetera. Um, that we lean on. And so with respect to clean energy, we are using the U.S. Uh, Environmental Protection Agency's definition of it. That's safe. Versus trying to define it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, was a, that was an interesting, I mean, uh, renewable energy and clean energy is, you know, so our, our cleaner energy category includes uh, what we consider renewable energy, sustainable transportation, so electrical, electric vehicles, for example, 
as well as energy efficiency. But then there are some aspects of cleaner energy, frankly, that we didn't, we weren't so sure if we wanted to endorse this cleaner energy. So large hydropower, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, carbon, carbon, uh, no carbon footprint, one could argue, but there are a lot of other environmental effects of that as well. So, you know, as I mentioned before, with, uh, with greener buildings, um, you know, sometimes it's tough to know where to draw the line. And so we tried to base it on those third parties, but sometimes we, we kind of tried to take a little bit more conservative approach as well. So we're, we're definitely interested in everyone's feedback on those kind of categories. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the hydro industry so far? Stephanie, you heard anything yet? I don't, I don't know if I've gotten any feedback specifically on that yet. We definitely welcome it. Yes. So far, no feedback, which means we're taking no feedback as folks agree with it or kind of give us the nod. Interesting. Well, you know, and I, I would imagine that over time uh, that might be something that, you know, you'll see more and more of. It is interesting, you know, how how we draw the line because, you know, for, for folks in the hydro industry, they'll say, couldn't be cleaner, we're totally natural, uh, you know, we're not exhausting any natural resources. But, of course, um, when those plants or when those, you know, projects are considered, um, a lot of environmentalists will say, well, yeah, it's carbon-free electricity, but um, you know the ecosystems around those those plants and around those operations are changed forever, um, and so that that is really tricky. And and it's clear that Wells Fargo has been very very thoughtful in its approach. Dustin, besides loans and you know what we would consider usual types of, of financial products. Do you have things besides loans that you're offering to environmental projects that fit your categories? You know, we, we do. We've been, uh, we've certainly been trying to focus on growing that, uh, the number of kind of products and services that we offer. So, you know, some of my colleagues, for example, in the past have, have uh, worked on uh, energy efficiency um, loans specifically. Um, they've worked on home equity loans for uh, solar homeowners. I spent a lot of time last year looking at the PACE programs around the country. Um, and so we've, there are definitely niche products for both businesses and, and homeowners that we've all kind of tried to develop products and offerings and expertise for our customers in. But then beyond loans, um, for example, we have a solar, a, a direct leasing product for our customers. So um, as, you, as you may know, there are tax incentives for uh, renewable energy projects, and a lot of times our customers can't really monetize those. And so we can support our customers by leasing a solar system, much like one might lease a car or lease you know, some of these big corporations, lease airplanes, for example. And so that, that's a, a newer product that has been growing very quickly um, our community um, investment teams have also participated in new market tax credit and low-income housing uh, financings mm-hmm. as well. Uh, actually, almost a billion dollars of our green building, greener building uh, financing this past year came through uh, kind of uh, loans and investments for low-income communities through those products. And so there's a there's a vast kind of array of products that we've we've really tried to focus on. Um, but, you know, those are continuing to grow, and we, we try to continue to listen to the, to the market and our customers and say, you know, wh- what, else can we, what else can we provide? What else is really needed? Because, um, you know, we, we, really, 
we really need to respond to the needs of our customers here. Well, and what I really like hearing in what you just said, Dustin, is that this program, this environmental financing, um, you know, whole program that you've developed, the $30 billion, isn't just for commercial customers, that it's also for everyday people just like me, just like my neighbors who want to green their neighborhood and their community as well. Love that. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking in more depth about how Wells Fargo actually quantifies the environmental benefit of their environmental financing options. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. I want to give a big shout out to all my tweeps who are listening. If you'd like to be one of my tweeps, you can follow me at, at Jill Buck. And we have a good time. We talk a lot about what's going on in the world of green. And I would love to talk with you. So join us. Join us. Um, we are joined today on Go Green Radio by Stephanie Rico who is the Vice President of Environmental Affairs for Wells Fargo, and Dustin Caller, who's a Vice President in Environmental Finance. And we're talking about something that Wells Fargo has just put out on their blog. You can go to blog.wellsfargo.com slash environment. And Stephanie put out uh, an article just this week called Environmental Finance, What Counts? And we're talking about all the various categories that are counted under their goal to invest $30 billion in environmental environmental finance by the year 2020. And in fact, at the end of her blog, she's inviting the public to comment and they would really like your feedback.
feedback on their categories and in ways that you might be able to suggest that they uh, expand what they're doing and ways that they can help you green your community. Dustin, I personally really like the way that your environmental finance report quantifies the environmental impact of your environmental financing. I think especially in the renewable energy investment piece, you've done a great job in that report of lining out the the answer to people's question, so what? So you invest all this money. How did that help us? And you've answered that by saying, because of our investments, here's what we have accomplished in terms of improving the environment. And I'd like for you to share some of that information with us um, and talk about some real-world examples that would illustrate how these uh, renewable energy projects have benefited the environment directly. Yeah, no, it, you know, sometimes it's tough to, to quantify all the, all the positives and negatives of all these projects, but it's, it's something that we've tried really hard to do and you know, again, it's tough to comprehend some of these big numbers sometimes as well. And what does a dollar equal? Um, so, so we actually spent a lot of time working with um, working with the EPA's greenhouse gas equivalence calculator, for example, and say, you know, trying to look at how much what the impact of of some of our loans and investments uh, really is. So, you know, since inception, for example, uh, our we've, we've invested in over 300 renewable energy projects um, so far, and and they've produced about 61 terawatt hours of electricity. And you know, I myself, so what you know, what does what does that actually mean? Right. Um, so, so just a little, a couple, couple stats. So that's 43.5 million tons of CO2, which is about equal to to 4.8 billion gallons of gasoline, or almost 200,000 railroad railroad cars of coal. So you can just kind of imagine that. That train running across the country for an ev- forever and ever. Um, you know, one other really important impact that I think is often overlooked is is energy's impact on water. And there's a there's been a greater uh, focus on this uh, lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but a lot of renewable energy projects actually save water as well, which is obviously a precious resource. And so um, the the electricity produced by these projects has also saved over six billion gallons of water uh, since. <laughs> Since 2007, when we first initially when we initially uh, funded our first project, and so, you know, overall, that's uh, some of the projects that we well, actually, all the projects that we um, own or financed make up over seven percent of the elect- of the renewable energy uh, produced in this country, and uh, we're just really proud of our customers, frankly, that that have really built these projects and pushed this forward, and the impact that they've really had on on uh, on the environment, on local job creation, you know, all these projects are really influential and in, in, especially in construction jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those kind of impacts are, are something that we're trying to do a better job of, of tracking. And it's not always straightforward, but we're trying to use as objective a criteria as we can. I think that's fantastic. And it really does um, speak to folks who, for instance, in the Plain States, who have experienced a historic drought just in the past year. And when you're talking about making investments that save billions of gallons of water, that means something. That means something to the heartland. I can tell you that for sure because a lot of farmers are, are thirsty out there in the fields. And when they're competing with a coal plant that needs coolant water and water, clean water uh, that could either go to crops or could go to create steam to turn the turbines to create electricity, um, when you're 
not using that clean water for energy production uh, because of these renewable projects, that that's very meaningful. Um, Stephanie, I would love to hear uh, more about how Wells Fargo is financing sustainable transportation initiatives because as a lot of us who, you know, are in this world and looking at, you know, green issues, uh, know a lot of our uh, carbon emissions do come from our transportation sector. And so what is it that you guys are looking to finance that will help make our transportation system more sustainable? Sure. So really what we're looking to finance are vehicles or infrastructure that helps um, helps us get off of fossil fuels, so mm-hmm. alternative fuel vehicles, hybrid vehicles. Mm-hmm. And so Wells Fargo, we are, we are the number one auto lender. And, huh. um, I number did not one, know that. Yes, and number one for used cars, too. Currently, wow. in our tracking, used cars, don't count, and that's one of the areas it's like, ooh, should they count? You know, there's lots of reasons why they shouldn't count, but lots of reasons why they should count, too. But currently, we're not counting used cars. Mm-hmm. But really, um, the, the, the um, vehicles that are reducing our reliance on petroleum-based fuels. So and you mentioned... Working. Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was just saying, we're, we're working with one of our customers right now, actually, on a on a financing product specifically for an electric vehicle. So it's, you know, there are different underwriting standards and different risks that we need to look at with those types of vehicles, you know, with regard to the technology and, uh, as you know, some of those vehicles are not as costly as some of the other traditional fuel vehicles as well. So, um, you know, we're trying to customize products as well for those kind of markets. And, and two, I want to add that Wells Fargo uh, is the first financial institution to back the financing for the Tesla Model S. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. The, the more affordable version of the electric vehicle. I love it. Well, and you're also talking about infrastructure as well. And I know that that's been one of the concerns for the electric vehicle industry, even for the hydrogen fuel cell industry. And so I think that's a very exciting development too. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the first segment when we talked about the reason behind the emphasis on green buildings, you know, the energy efficiency aspect. Dustin, I'd love for you to talk to us some more about some of the energy efficiency projects that Wells Fargo has funded. And I'm wondering if you've established a goal for a certain number of megawatts or terawatts that you hope to save with the investments in this area. Sure. Yeah, that, you know, and energy efficiency is one of the, one of the harder, harder impacts to really quantify as well, because a lot of the a lot of the lending that we do for energy efficiency is not necessarily categorized as such. So there'll be homeowners kind of taking out a home improvement loan. Um, you know, we've loaned billions for that, and often customers are um, are putting in a new water heating system that's more efficient or new windows that are going to save energy. Uh, but those are kind of things that we can't really quantify. So what we have quantified are um, kind of public financing for um, schools and public entities, um, Right now, we have on record over 300 million of, of financing for energy efficiency for those type of entities, but it's it's been a, one of the tougher categories to really track. Uh, but it's something, as you mentioned, that you know that's really dollar for dollar. That's that's one of the best in, and most efficient investments we can really make in making the biggest difference in our in our energy mix and our in our impact. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Stephanie, you know, you guys are talking about um, helping greener businesses as one of the categories in your finance plan, but how do you, 
how do you make that assessment? Which businesses truly qualify as an environmental finance investment? Uh, it's so tricky because most businesses these days are doing something green, right? right? Um, right. Recycling or, you know, a hotel's um, ask that you reuse your towels and things like that. But mm-hmm. what, a single action doesn't necessarily make a business green, right? Mm-hmm. So capturing um, financing to green businesses is very, it's tricky business. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is where third-party certifications exist, um, we're counting, and, and we know that the, our, our customers have achieved those certifications, uh, we would count those. Uh, for example, in, in San Francisco, there's a green business program, and businesses can sign up for it and go, you know, go through the program and earn uh, a green San Francisco Bay Area green, like official green business. Right. So in that case, it would count. Over time, we've seen some at, attempts at national standards, green business standards, and you know, nothing has really been. I, widely adopted. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that in the future that we will see some kind of national green business standard um, so that, you know, that there's a general consensus on what makes a business green. Mm -hmm. And I think the tough part about that is that every industry has so many variables. Um, I think think it will come, but I, I think before that happens, uh, before there's one monolithic system, you know, in place and certification for all industries, there might be industry-specific certifications that we see first. But, you know, who knows? Uh, I think we're moving in the right direction, but um, it's really exciting to see what you guys are doing. I have heard some folks say that pretty much all new businesses these days are relatively green, right? Mm-hmm. So... We'll, we'll, well see what happens. I think I think that you know everybody's moving in that direction. They've realized it's not just a PR thing; it's actually uh, good for business. It's good yes. for the bottom line. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about how some of the environmental finance that Wells Fargo is involved in may affect what's on your food plate. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I am hoping that all of our listeners will take a moment to open a new tab in your web browser and go to blog.wellsfargo.com slash environment. And if you scroll down the page just a little bit, you'll see Stephanie Rico's uh, blog from this week called Environmental Finance, What Counts? And you'll get a chance to see the categories that they've determined for $30 billion worth of investments in environmental projects. And then you get a chance to comment. And I would love to see all of our listeners give them some feedback, give them some help in refining what is already a great environmental finance plan, but you can help to make it even better. Dustin, Wells Fargo's been in business a long time, over 160 years, and people know Wells Fargo as a bank that creates personal relationships with its customers, is really you know close to its customer base, and yet some of the companies that you'll probably be financing with the, this environmental financing plan are pretty new. I mean, the green space itself and some of the new technologies are very new, um, and I know that a lot of the senior staff, and we'll all say senior staff, in quotes for some of these companies are pretty young. So how does Wells Fargo take that personal relationship mantra that it has been known for for so long in order to evaluate these types of companies and establish the kind of rapport that's necessary for making sound investments? Yeah, I think that I think that's a really good question and you know it, it is challenging because we would we would really love to support these industries and in every way we can, but we also have to be responsible about the, the way that we're we're lending money, and so it really comes down to us for when we're looking in these new industries, and they're so volatile. We've seen, you know, some some big high-profile companies um, really um, have a hard time and go under in the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. so we try to focus, you know, in closely on the track record and really the people and the management, and really understanding our customers over years. So, you know, I have a lot of a lot of phone calls every day with new new clients and customers and old old customers and trying to understand how how business models are developing and 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 we really try to focus on companies with a long-term vision that share our values and and you know management teams in place that that are able to really execute on those visions and you know sometimes that means talking with a company that we we, we really want to support right now with a loan, but maybe maybe it takes another year or two to really see that company grow a little bit before we're able to commit the kind of capital that that they might need to scale. And in the meantime, we have to try to support them with other 
other products like an insurance product and or, or treasury management. But you know, we we've, we've really we really focus on the relationships and you know companies companies like Kuyama Orchards, one of the largest organic apple uh, growers in the country, or SunPower, one of the largest solar manufacturers and and developers in the country. These are companies we've really um, over time grown grown very close with and are continuing to develop those relationships and uh, and that really goes for customers as well you know we want to know when we're when we're thinking about a home equity loan or or some other way of financing a you know a, an environmentally friendly project um, we want to really know who those people are and and really be able to support them for the long term that's totally fair I mean that's the difference between a bank and a venture capitalist um, you know you guys really have to to manage those relationships and that finance very very well and I know that you have a long track record of doing exactly that um, you know in Speaking of long track records, Stephanie, you recently told me that Wells Fargo has a long history of leadership in agricultural lending. And this is where everybody perk up now because what's on your plate? Uh, sustainable agriculture is, is the wave of the future. And I'd love to hear more about how your experience in ag lending is leading to some exciting projects in sustainable agriculture. Sure. So Wells Fargo, we are the number one ag lender in the country. And one of the things that we're doing to support that from an environmental affairs perspective is mainly through our environmental grant program. And so through our grant program, we're focusing on one of the areas that we're focusing on is sustainable, <clears throat> excuse me, agriculture. And we're looking to fund projects that support local food systems, um, healthier food, community gardens, and things like that. So, for example, one of the projects that we um, supported was working with the American Farmland Trust, which was put together a report on what are the infrastructure needs to support local food systems. And so mm-hmm. that report and it studied um, here in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, but the re- results of the report can be applied uh, nationwide. And so it, it identified things like, you know, a need for cold storage facilities, for, uh, you know, preservation of more farmland and, and, you know, collaboration and this and that. And so um, that was one piece of the research. And now what they're looking at is, okay, now that we know what needs to be done to support a local food um, system and infrastructure, how do we get that financed? And so that's, that's report number two um, that we're looking at. And that's coming. And how do you determine, uh, kind of the same question about green businesses, how do you determine who's green enough, you know, and, and who truly is a good uh, fit for your environmental finance program? What are some of the determinants for helping you decide what agricultural uh, entities or projects would fit under your environmental finance program? I would say that, and, and this one is probably the most controversial, is the uh, notion of organic food. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we are leaning towards um, third parties. So it would be the, you know, USDA organic is something that we would, for example, um, count um, towards mm-hmm. sustainable ag. Right. Right. And And are you seeing that your financing options are allowing more of those types of projects, or is this still too new to be sure? I mean, are, are you seeing maybe uh, 
you know, agricultural entities that might not have been organic but would like to have been now able to do that as a result of your program? Yeah, I think it's mainly based on demand for organic food is mm-hmm. when you're seeing um, farmers, you know, expand um, into the organic market. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know that that continues to grow <laughs> yes. every every month. I know, but, but where talk- we can support that through finance, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes sense to do so. We want to, we want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephanie, I I know that this is a big risk, and I congratulate you for doing this, for allowing the public to just get on your blog and give comments about your categories for environmental finance. What do you hope to gain by inviting the public to comment on your environmental finance categories? Thank you. So really, to be honest with you, it is a little scary putting it out there. Um, But what we're hoping to gain is credibility and transparency. Also, you know, we know that this is very subjective, and it is more art than science. But we think that by getting feedback, um, greater feedback, that you know, it, we can help kind of perfect our categories and evolve it and make it even better over time. Um, so, and mainly, we want to we want to be transparent about what we're doing. Well, and I think one of the other. Um, benefits of doing this is that as people read what you're financing, they may be inspired to take on a project or to to feel like, you know what, I've been beating my head against the wall trying to figure out how I might get a a little micro loan to do solar on my roof. And knowing that Wells Fargo is there for them, um, I think it may encourage people um, not just to comment on your environmental finance program, but to actually get involved with your environmental finance program. And I, I want to make sure all of our listeners, if you're just joining us, you know how to get to this. I want you to go to blog.wellsfargo.com slash environment. Scroll down just a little bit. Stephanie put up a blog earlier this week called Environmental Finance, What Counts? And there you're going to see a, a really thorough outline, not just of the category titles or subtitles, but also how they define each of those categories. Take a moment, read those categories, and then give some feedback. This will really help to refine what is already uh, a very well thought out, um, a, a great process that they've gone through to determine these categories, but Wells Fargo is sincere in wanting your feedback so that we can actually, uh, you know, keep keep refining these options for folks. Um, it's Stephanie, Dustin, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here with us on Go Green Radio. It was a pleasure. I hope you guys had fun too. Jill, thank you very much for having us. Thank you, Jill, and thanks for everything you're doing as well. Yes. Well, you bet. It's, it's a team effort, isn't it? And to all of our listeners out there, thanks for joining us. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.
you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.